What's up, everybody? My name is Billy Boozer, and welcome back to the Everyday Hustle podcast. We've selected a name. It is going to be Everyday Hustle from this point forward, and I'm super excited about that because uh, I don't have to think about that anymore. It's a solved problem. So Everyday Hustle is a podcast that talks to entrepreneurs and um, also people that are just in the business community that have learned lessons along the way that have guided them to great outcomes or the place they are today. And so uh, today I've got a good friend of mine, someone that uh, I've been in the metaphorical trenches and he's been in the literal trenches before in his life. And so uh, I've got Aaron Wagner with me. Aaron is uh, a really good friend from American Cloud. And I wanted to bring him on because he's got such a, a diverse story and past that has led him to the point that starting a business made sense because he was so... I guess, uh, how, how do I put this, um, uh, motivated to do it by a, a significant need for the world needing something like this, like the world needed to have this. And so uh, I'll let Aaron give his own intro, but Aaron, tell, tell us a little bit about you and what you're working on today. Yeah, thanks, Billy. Uh, super excited to be on with you today on the Everyday Hustle podcast. I'm glad you you're able to decide on a name and make sure. <laughs> Make sure we're preaching that from the rafters. Yeah. Um, small background on myself, like you were, like you were referencing. Uh, yeah, spent some time in the military. I was in the army for five years, uh, and then found myself in the technology space, primarily on the physical side of the internet, uh, doing consulting in the data center and managed hosting space. And there, there's a whole host of, of things we'll probably talk about today about what led me down my path. Uh, some of it may be a little bit of a hero complex that we get in the military or, or I got in the military who want to save the world. But I, I really did find it, <clears throat> did find passion and a need to want to solve greater problems uh, so that everybody can continue to have access to the internet. Uh, so that's that. That's my little blurb, and I'm excited to talk about all the details today with you. Yeah, I mean, one, thank you for your service. Uh, so I wear dog tags every day. Everybody see, hears me jingle around, uh, but those dog tags are one my my dad's dog tag, and then a dog tag that represents my grandfather, uh, and he was in uh, World War II, and um, I guess. Maybe Korea. I can't. I, I can't exactly remember the 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 other conflict, but uh, he he was stationed in a ship um off in the Bering Sea, decoding messages from foreign adversaries. And I always have a huge amount of respect for everyone that served, and 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 I can't tell you how much. I respect you from it because, like I said earlier, we were in the metaphorical trenches at times, and your experience in dealing with difficult situations always shown through the moment that we were in. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, not to not to blow you up there a little bit, but, you know, uh, I think it's an important thing because I've been there with you in times that were very difficult and uh, at least in the business sense, not in the not in the kind of existential sense. So thank you. Thank you for that. And then the other side that was I think is interesting is like most people don't know about the physical internet, right? Like they, they know about what shows up at a, their endpoint at their Wi-Fi router or their Google Nest or whatever it is, and they don't really know what that means. So can you kind of ex expand on what the physical internet is uh, a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of this credit goes out to another friend of ours, Sean Terrio, for really <clears throat> bringing me under his wing through the space uh, as I was getting out of the military. 
And so the physical internet is, you know, it's a, it's a collection of facilities connected by cables, by fibers uh, throughout the world. And there's subsea cables that are going uh, through the oceans to connect the different continents together. And there's these facilities, data centers uh, all around the world that are, are actually hosting data. And uh, some of them are more expansive and resilient and, you know, higher tier. They're, they're um, you know, they're hosting everything from, you know, government type data all the way to consumer and retail. And then you have, you know, enterprise data centers even where companies have just put uh, some hardware in their closet. And then they've had their local telecommunications provider bring fiber into that building. And it's really the collection of all these facilities and cables that make up the internet. And they all connect and peer in these different ways together. You know, it's, it's really interesting, even in, you know, 2023 uh, in the United States, I believe there's still 14 states that don't have an internet exchange point. And so even today, access to the internet varies um, by a lot, really by where you live. And, you know, there's, there's new technologies, new companies coming out. Starlink's obviously uh, been, ma been making waves with putting low Earth orbit satellites um, at scale uh, and making the internet available in more remote locations. Low Earth orbit satellites are, aren't really a new concept, but Starlink's the first one to do it at scale. You know, it really fascinated me. What really blew my mind was, you know, I'm, I'm 24 years old and getting out of the military. And I got to tour my first data center and hearing the whir and the hub of all these servers, uh, it, it took my breath away. And I realized that this is really the, the backbone of all of the fun applications that I had been using, not only in the military, but in my personal life. Yeah, I mean, uh, you don't get to play Xbox Live without uh, some serious <laughs> servers. So uh, most people don't realize that. I mean, like, I think, you know, even in the Southeast, th there are people that I know that are aware of these things because they'll see a Google building that's a giant data center and they'll hear like, oh, they spent a billion dollars or half a billion dollars upgrading this data center. Or like, I mean, even we're uh, not too far from where I'm from, there's an Amazon, a Google, a Facebook, and then I think um, Akamai or uh, Azure data center or something like that near us. And they're these monstrous black box buildings, basically, that have no real windows in them at all. They have monstrous uh, HVAC units that sit out beside them and are heavily secured buildings, right? And that's actually where most of the transmission of our data, like, is going through here in the, you know, greater Atlanta area. For most people, it is it's they're they're oblivious to the fact that this might be right near them or they're oblivious to the the fact that they're near an interchange i mean i think about that the the first time I think I was ever introduced to this concept was when I heard some stories about like financial groups trying to get very close to interchanges so they could get faster speeds and lower latency for being able to do financial transactions. And you hear about like these real estate purchases in New York or, you know, places where they were right near the actual source of the data so that they could get the fastest result back. And I always think that that's a, a those are really interesting stories. Um, one of the things you mentioned was Sean, and, and, and people that have affected your life along the way and you coming out of the military. So tell me a little bit about like what your experience was in the military and if there was any like technology in that, that world that like sparked your interest or was it purely just the experience of being in the military? 
Yeah, the, <clears throat> the military overall, you know, is one of the, the greatest experiences and honors of my life. Uh, I, I went into the military um, as an 18 x-ray in the army, which means that I was a special forces recruit. And unfortunately, uh, early on, uh, right after special forces preparation course, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So I was medically ineligible from continuing in that course. But I ended up going to the 82nd Airborne as an infantryman. I ended up going to Ranger School and, and earning the, the Ranger tab. And, you know, I got to go overseas to Iraq in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. You know, we were, we were talking about the, the metaphoric trenches that we got to uh, fight in together recently. And, you know, it, it's interesting because everybody learns their basic personality characteristics and trains themselves a variety of different ways, right? From, from the military or from the private sector or for some, from somewhere else. And it really doesn't matter so long as the individual does find their core beliefs and values and structure. And, and for me, I found a lot of that while I was in the military, as well as when I was getting sober prior to that. You know, no, nothing is better than getting into the trenches with people you trust to your left and right. Uh, it's always unfortunate to be in a conflict of any kind, you know, needing to solve a problem. But when you can trust the person to your left and right, uh, it, it makes that experience that much better. And, you know, what I found in the military was a, you know, a group of guys uh, who were willing to do more than anybody else that I had met in my life to that point. And, you know, we had to go through some pretty uncomfortable days, um, you know, especially overseas, um, but uh, also in ranger school, just not a lot of sleep and not a lot of food and, and being told to walk around and make decisions. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable, but, you know, when, when you're sitting there late in the patrol base uh, in Dahlonega, Georgia, and it's freezing mm -hmm. and you you and your buds are uh, are designing the different menu items that you want to eat when you graduate, uh, <laughs> you can still find some laughs. And, and we had a similar experience when uh, when we were launching Truth Social, um, <clears throat> was that last year? And, um, you know, that first week, you know, the, the app dropped early and there was a week of, of chaos. Mm -hmm. But to our left and right, we had uh, everybody who was willing to do the hard work to solve the problems and come out of it on the other side. And it's experiences like that that shape people. Um, they continue to shape me and I'll forever be grateful for being a part of them. Yeah, I, I was listening to a thing uh, from Simon Sinek the other day, and he was talking about like this kind of like matrix of the type of person and how to identify trustworthy people, right? And because in business and and you know specifically in the military, if you have a high performer but is low trust, that is like one of the worst people you can have on your team because that high performer is very difficult to get rid of because you're like, oh, results are coming out of things, but you can't trust them to take the ethical, moral, or even you know positive approach towards anything. And then you've got the people that may be you know, low performers, high trust, which are still other difficult people. And really the max spot is one of those people that you can trust and knows how to execute on something independently from every Everyone else on the team, not to blow you up again, but I consider you a high trust, high performer person. And that was one of those things that we had during that moment where 
We had some people that were low trust and low performing, and they just sat on the periphery of the, the project. But then we had a core team of people that were high performer, high trust, were going to push through any moment that they needed to and had the skills to do it. And I think that was the only reason that we were able to be successful. Um, unfortunately, there's still some you know low trust, low performing people in that world. And uh, I, I hope one day that you know even our conservative values and the conservative things that we kind of perpetuate can can continue to propagate better people that have high trust and are high performing. Because I mean, I even think that that was one of the critiques when we were working on Truth Social was there weren't any engineers that were good enough on that side of the political spectrum spectrum that would be able to execute on these things. And I, th I think we proved them wrong in that sense. Um, and I think there's a ton of people that are just sitting around or excuse me, in, in the in the in the grass waiting because they, they have these feelings, they have these values and, and things that they want to be able to perpetuate. But in the context of where they are, it's very difficult to do. And we found those people at a high frequency when we were at Truth. Tell me a little bit more. You mentioned, you know, going into the military sober and you mentioned that journey. You know, we've talked about that journey in the past, but tell me a little bit more about that because I know it's important to communicate it and expose it as a part of the, what is this, uh, the responsibility or the, the not liability, um, but it's neither here nor there. It's, you know, part of the responsibility is to share those stories so that you can hold accountability, accountability. That ah, was it. Yes. I found it. <laughs> uh, so a part of it is responsibility to hold yourself accountable for these things. So tell me about that story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after high school, I went out to University of Denver to go to college and I found myself, um, you know, drinking and, you know, using other substances uh, way too frequently. I was uh, really heading down a, a dark path. You know, I was, was really already in that dark path and, and it was spiraling out of control very quickly. Um, and at 20 years old, you know, I'm approaching halfway through college at that point. Uh, I made a decision uh, really that, you know, felt life or death you know it really was life or death for me it was either continue down this dark path um and there was no light at the end of that tunnel or make a change surrender to my higher power and you know admit that you know my life was out of control and i needed to make a change and that's what i did so at 20 i, I got sober uh, and, and since then uh, i've not taken a, a drink or used a mind-altering substance i just turned 30 last week um, so I'm just pushing a decade on being sober. And it's, and it's really that, um, you know, that is a, a catalyst moment for me in my life and being able to start this journey of not only going to the military, but then, you know, having success in business and finding drive to be an entrepreneur and start new businesses and create new value for society was my ability at a very young age to identify that that was a problem, have faith in something greater than myself and enact that change. And so, you know, after six months of being sober is when I entered basic training and, you know, started my journey in the U.S. Army. And I, I was very fortunate, um, especially being, you know, special forces recruit turned infantryman uh, hazing and the, the bond of brothers is definitely a part of that process. Uh, but I was able to communicate to the the other members of my platoon early on when I got to my unit, 
to like, hey guys, like I'm, I'm totally here for the hazing aspect of this. I know it's a part of the journey, but there's one thing I, I really can't do because they, they wanted to get me really drunk my first night. I was like, I just can't drink. And fortunately they were all very receptive to that. And then they were protective of me and they kind of defended my sobriety throughout the rest of my contract with the United States Army. So um, I feel very fortunate and blessed in that regard where you know I was able to get sober beforehand and I was able to continue to excel in every uh, field that I applied myself to. Ultimately, you know, I, I owe a lot of that to my sobriety, um, if not all of it. Uh, life has really become something I would not have been able to imagine or predict from back then. You know, if you would have asked 20 year old not sober me if I was going to be um, a veteran and a business owner, an entrepreneur, I would have laughed you out of the room and probably got drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and now, you know, 10 years later, um, you know, it, it's really quite a ride when I look back on it, you know, having five years in the military and, and all the experiences that came with that, uh, being a part of uh, four different businesses, uh, one now that you know, I'm the co-founder and CEO of, and it has been a ton of fun. Um, you know, I've traveled all over the world at this point met incredible people, met a lot of garbage people and learned what I didn't want to do and what I didn't want to um, emulate. And, you know, I, I find myself in a very fortunate position right now with a couple really good mentors, uh, a fantastic team and a growing Rolodex of folks like yourself uh, that, you know, I, I can lean on uh, when I need something. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think one thing I've found throughout life is if you don't have the right people around you, you're always going to be going in the wrong direction. And finding in the mil in the context of the military, because I, I know a ton of people that are veterans and in the military, finding a group of people that were willing to sacrifice that specific thing, because I know that specific thing, you know, alcohol and, and substance abuse is a difficult thing to get away from in the in the context of the military. Finding people that will actually support you in that is, you know, somewhat of a miracle in itself. And and then contextualizing that around the, you know, belief in a higher power, uh, because, you know, I think today one of the biggest cultural problems that exists is we have turned ourselves into gods. And uh, I think uh, I think that's such a, a crazy mistake because it limits us to um, limits everything to your, yourself. Right. And you're the extent of yourself. And, you know, if, if anything, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a faith filled Christian. And so that's a, a very important part of my life. And I don't know what it would be like to believe that I am the God of of things, right? Like that would be so disappointing for my life because like, not to say I'm not a decent human being, but like to say that I, the, the extent of my abilities is, you know, what is tangibly in front of me or that's in my mind would be a very disappointing concept to try to attach my life to. And so I can definitely appreciate that. And that resonates a lot with me. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit more about the why of what American cloud is doing today. I want to, I want to hear more about American cloud. Absolutely. You know, American cloud, we started in August and the why of American cloud is uh, th there's a whole range of whys really, but ultimately it boils down to, Infrastructure has veered away from being a utility for creators to make awesome products and services for uh, the masses to use and communicate on. And infrastructure has now veered into this activism space, um, not participating in certain industries, even though they're, you know, even though they're legal commerce. And 
the the biggest why is since falling in love with mission mission critical infrastructure myself now i i want to bring that utility framework back to the market infrastructure is infrastructure is infrastructure it is a warehouse uh in a you know hyper connected uh city most likely that has a lot of fiber coming into it let people engage in legal commerce and legal and the legal exchange of ideas without the need for a technology company to become technocratic or political or um you know use a terms of service as this wall, this this iron curtain to not allow businesses and individuals to communicate with each other. So American Cloud, uh, you know, what we've done is we've taken that principle of infrastructure as utility and we've applied, you know, the infrastructure as a service model to it. We, we've built a publicly available cloud that's easy to use. You know, the same uh, general trajectory or, or thesis that DigitalOcean and Linode made is that, you know, the big clouds, AWS, Azure, GCP, Alibaba, Oracle, those clouds are confusing to use. Um, their UIs are not intuitive. It takes close to a hundred clicks to get anything done. Um, there's this massive burden on the user to then incur additional training just to figure out how to use that specific cloud. And instead of that, what we're doing at American Cloud is an easy to use platform with, you know, all the services that 99% of the customers are going to need. Do we have, you know, Geosat compute today? No, we don't. You know, that, that market right now, you know, we, we haven't had a request from a customer to put compute on a satellite. If we do, we'll figure it out. But, you know, we're really focused on those core features that almost all the users are going to need. So we've got a, you know, virtual compute that's got, you know, elastic clouds and VPCs available. We've got a CNCF certified Kubernetes service. We've got block storage. Um, <clears throat> we've got authoritative DNS. We've got load balancers. We, uh, we actually just released auto scaling for, um, for our cloud compute. So that's a feature add-on to our load balancers that allows customers to scale out and in based on CPU and RAM metrics. We're about to release our customer-facing API that'll have a Terraform provider and uh, and also our A2 object storage service. So you can you know you can start to get the idea of it. Really doesn't ma matter what type of environment you need to build. You're able to build it on American Cloud. It's going to be easy. You're not going to need to click ten thousand times and set up a hundred different uh, resources. It's all right there in a simple, easy to understand platform with a team that is hyper-focused on enabling our customers and supporting our customers. When you open up a support ticket, uh, you're immediately connected to a human onshore that wants to help you. Um, you know, so, you know, real true five-star experience. And all of this is completely independent from big uh, from big tech or any of the you know any of the hyperscaler clouds that have engaged in this activism based infrastructure. Uh, we have our own facility. It's in one of the most fiber dense regions in the world. It's in Santa Clara. It's in the heart of Silicon Valley. Um, you know, so we're kind of born behind the Iron Curtain, and we have all of our own hardware. We've got all of our you know we've got our entire software stack, which is based on open source frameworks. I'm a big open source proponent. Um, 
And we're really excited to deliver this in uh, an easy to use way. I mean, something that I harp on, you harp on, we've talked a lot about is one of the problems with these alternative texts uh, is usually they're not extremely easy to use. They're not intuitive. They're not better than their competition. They're, you know, usually a, a, an alternative that isn't put together very well. There's not a lot of thought put into how their customers are going to use it. What is that user story so, to make their lives easier? And so we're, you know, we're, we're continuing to iterate uh, every day, talking to our customers every day about making the product easier to use, better to use and with the features that they need. Yeah, I, I've I've pushed some people y'all's way, and if the one piece of feedback that I've constantly got is uh, the level of service has been unmatched in comparison to anything that they've had to engage with to this point. And most of them have been customers that are talking about things that I, I guess the, the, these big tech um, advocacy groups are are against, right? Like you know, they're faith based things, uh, you know, uh, things that are constitutionally protected. And uh, they will deplatform uh, businesses uh, at at you know a moment's notice, or if anything, make friction happen. Uh, they they want there to be more friction for people that do not align with their values. And so uh, I know everybody that I pushed your way has been extremely excited and constantly felt like they actually had someone that was on their side versus someone that was battling against them and creating friction at all points. So, man, I, I, I appreciate that because, you know, it at least makes it seem like I'm doing something good for other people. So, uh, so I, I love the mission that you, you guys are on. So, so tell me about, um, I'm going to sw switch it up a little bit, kind of uh, shift gears here. You know, on your entrepreneurial journey, tell me about one of the most important attributes or one of the most important things that happened to you along your entrepreneurial journey that helped you to get to that next stage. Uh, I'd say one of the, the top uh, contenders, if not the top, is finding uh, good mentors and good business partners. And there's, you know, that's a two-sided coin. Because uh, you can align yourself with a business partner or mentor that turns out to, you know, be poisonous, uh, and that can lead to a lot of turmoil. And I have experienced that. On the other side of that, the silver lining of becoming aligned with a business partner and/or mentor that is not good um, is you do get to learn a lot of lessons of what not to do and what not to emulate. And um, th those lessons can are just as valuable, if not more valuable than the lessons you learn, uh, I guess, along the easier path, which is uh, having business partners and mentors that really are able to guide you and help you think critically through problems, strategies, uh, growth. And I'm extremely grateful at this point, even at you know such a young age to have uh, a handful of really solid mentors and uh, three other partners in American Cloud that are so amazing. I, you know, I, I can't even put words to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the value of a mentor is amazing. I, I happen to know one of your mentors, and um, you know, I, I've even personally struggled with this over the, over the years. Is it's 
it's not easy to find mentors. Uh, I'll be honest, like, I don't know if I've ever had a mentor, a person that has stuck with me over time. Uh, it's, it's, it's honestly a frustration point for myself because, you know, most of the time I have great colleagues, like, or, you know, you even have a mix of terrible colleagues along the way, but I can't consolidate it around a set of great, you know, peers and advisors, but, you know, some, someone that's willing to impart the knowledge that they have learned over time and, um, it, and is at a different stage, a, a, you know, either they've exited a business or they were in a business at a very large scale that can help you figure out, you know, what it takes to bring your business to the scale that is in your vision. Um, I, I've always struggled doing that, but I know, you know, John is one of yours and uh, I've appreciated my engagements with him over, over, over the last, you know, 12, 12 months or so. And, you know, I, I know that he's imparting knowledge upon y'all from his experience with owning data centers and, you know, scaling businesses and being in the inter energy infrastructure world that, that, you know, you're not going to be able to get because you never were a part of those things. It took time to accumulate that and his willingness and others willingness to actually impart that knowledge upon people as they're coming up is uh i, I guess what is it that in the in the jewish community it's a mensch you know what i mean it's like it's a thing that is uh i think done out of uh, a pure perspective of i want other people to be better than me in the future and i don't want them to have to make the same mistakes that i did right and so i i definitely appreciate that uh, tell me about a book or a piece of content or a documentary or something like that that has impacted you over time. So from an entrepreneurship perspective, uh, the number one book I would say I, I would recommend and, and has made a uh, has continued to make an impact on my life uh, is The Phoenix Project. So really my first encounter with DevOps is a theory. Uh, and, and this was early on when I was on the physical side of the, of the industry, and there really wasn't an engineering aspect to what I was doing in business. But the framework of, of DevOps uh, has continued to pay off dividends. And, you know, there's all these different flavors of DevOps now that we're seeing with platform engineering and chaos engineering. Yeah. But ultimately... Uh, creating highly efficient systems and engineering teams is a must, uh, you know, in the, in the technology space. And, uh, you know, saying this out loud, I probably am due to reread Phoenix Project for maybe the, you know, 12th time Yeah. Uh, now that the year's restarted. On the personal side, uh, there's a couple of books that uh, I, I also would recommend. Dune is, uh, is a great sci-fi book. Yeah, um, that I've really enjoyed reading. And uh, on the comedy side, there's a book called Lamb by Christopher Moore, um, which is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a quick read, probably one, one three hour flight, you can knock it out, but it, it's full of laughs. And, um, you know, those are probably the, the three books that I, you know, I want to talk about most. Do you typically read books? Or do you listen to them? So when I got out of the military, I transitioned to reading them. I was commuting uh, just over three hours a day between Fort Bragg and Raleigh, where mm -hmm. the firm was at. And I found that I had so much time on the highway that I, you know, I started uh, listening to these books. And that's really kind of stuck with me, uh, especially as I travel. Um, it, it's just easier. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working crazy hours right now. I, you know, I don't really 
I have not been making the time to actually read books, even though mm-hmm. I should, but I do listen to them. That makes my life easier. Yeah, I, I listen to a good bit of books, but I've been really trying to think more or be more critical of, or I guess me more intentional of reading books. Uh, I've been reading my Bible a good bit more. And uh, I think there's something that gets missed in that interpretation of the book, even the infl- uh, you know the, the inflections and the tone that someone reads the book in versus the way you consume it. Uh, and then just being able to absorb more of it and be less ephemeral. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's, it's a both thing. It's an and thing versus an or thing, but uh, I just thought that that would be uh, an interesting uh, you know question because a lot of people that I'm, I, I, I engage with nowadays, they, they listen to books almost exclusive, exclusively as a part of, or as a function of exactly what you said, time, right? Like there's just not enough time of the day to sit down and during this time in your life, uh, just take the time to read a book, right? Uh, but I think it's an important thing. Uh, so tell everybody where you can be found, uh, where they can reach out to you and how they can find American Cloud. AmericanCloud.com is the quickest way to to find us. You can reach out to us there. You can sign up for an account there. Uh, you can find out a ton of information on American Cloud just from our website, just AmericanCloud.com. Um, very excited that we have that domain name, by the way. I'm yeah. surprised it wasn't taken. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then me personally, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn uh, pretty regularly. My, my Twitter handle is underscore Aaron Wagner with one A. Um, you know, I my parents forgotten a, or, you know, really it's more the, the Hebrew interpretation of the way to spell Aaron. So it's underscore Aaron Wagner. That's A-R-O-N-W-A-G-N-E-R. Uh, and then my LinkedIn is, is forward slash Aaron Wagner as well. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty hyper-connected. I'm, I'm probably on my devices too often. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, please, please reach out and uh, let, let's spark up a conversation. I haven't seen any underscores in the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, but, uh, well, that's awesome. I appreciate you having a conversation with me today. And, uh, you know, I think something that is important to realize out of this is uh, we are people that need to connect with other people and the relationships that we build up over time are things that will continue to build our lives up and help us to move forward. And I know I'm appreciative of the relationship that I have with you. And I'm, I love looking from the outside in at the successes that American cloud um, are having along the way. And I can't wait to see what happens in the future for American cloud. So thanks for taking some time to chat with me today and, and, uh, and, and get back to work, I guess. (laughs) Well, cool, everybody. I hope you all have an absolutely fantastic day. Uh, This was the Everyday Hustle podcast. And don't forget, you can go to uh, hustlemob.com. That's H-U-S-T-L-E-M-O-B.com. And you can go pre-register if you're a merchant or someone that's going to be taking payments in for their services. Uh, we're building a product for you. And uh, I, I hope you'll go there, pre-register for your username. And, uh, and, and just, just like everybody should be doing, they should be hustling every day to figure out what their true passion is and what their goals are in life so that they can reach them. And I think the only way to do that is to hustle every single day. So, uh, keep hustling everybody. Y'all have a great one. Bye.